Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams. It is my honor to be here with you today. This year, 2022, at Unity of the Valley, we are focusing on the mystery and the art of life. And maybe it's the pandemic that we've been moving through that inspired this because there is always a limit to our understanding, it seems, and as we go beyond, we, we come across a mystery. And in our understanding of God, what God is, what God is in our lives, if we go deep enough, if we question deeply enough, we come up against the mystery and we can keep approaching closer and closer and yet we never quite grasp it in its fullness. Just like Lao Tzu said, the Tao that can be spoken, that can be described, is not the Tao. We, we come close to it, but there's always a mystery that is beyond. But we're not only looking at this mystery and how we experience it and how we approach it and how we understand it, but we're also looking at the art of life. In other words, how do we live or what is it that we do once we acknowledge this infinite mystery that is God, that is the divine? Once we begin to realize that truth, once we start feeling it alive in our minds and in our hearts, how do we live? I mean, what do we do with it? I sometimes, when I'm reading about the mystery, about mystical experiences, about who and what is God and how that understanding has evolved over the years, sometimes I'm immersed in this. And then I take a drive and I get off of the freeway and there's a homeless encampment. My heart hurts and my tears start welling up because I can feel the pain of that. I can feel the pain of that. And so what do I do? Do I just drive by? Do I stop and help? I mean, what is it that I could do in the moment? Do I pretend I didn't see it? Or if I'm walking along and I see a homeless person, do I avert my eyes and look away because it's too painful to see? But if I truly believe, if I truly believe that we are all one, if I truly believe that each person is an expression of God, one with God, what do I do? How do I live? 
There's a story that's a little bit off the mark, but some of the same idea, a story I've heard frequently by other spiritual teachers. Once I heard Jack Cornfield tell the, the story. I don't remember which other teachers I've heard sharing it, but this was somewhere in Africa or possibly in South America, in the jungles, and there was a tribe of people that had never heard of Christianity, and missionaries came to this village and taught a Christian theology in which a child or a person who is not baptized would not be able to enter heaven. And that was the teaching and the belief of the missionaries who were teaching it. And so they were baptizing people. But one of the people who came and listened to the teaching was deeply troubled that there were others in his village and babies maybe who might not be able to enter this heavenly place. And he went to the teacher, to the missionary, and said, if I had never heard about the importance of baptism, about the importance of embracing this teaching, would I have still been banned from heaven? And the missionary, according to the beliefs that that missionary held, said, no, if you did not know, you could not be held responsible. And the village person looked at the missionary and said, then why on earth did you tell me? In other words, now that I know I have this responsibility. In the same way, sometimes when we come to know deeply a spiritual truth, when we come to know deeply our own oneness with God, there is a responsibility. There is a responsibility in what we create with our own consciousness and our own thoughts. There is a responsibility to ourselves, the way we treat ourselves. If we honor ourselves as an expression of the divine, how do we treat ourselves? And there's a responsibility to each other. How do we respond to each other if we truly believe that underneath all of the appearances there is a oneness? Sometimes it can be easier to be oblivious. But the thing is, there is so much more potential for fulfillment, for joy, for experiencing each moment we live as meaningful when we open to the truth. So this is the other half of the theme for the year. It's the mystery and then the art of living. And throughout the year, we will move back and forth between those two sides of knowing the truth. If I know what I am, how do I live? 
If I know what I am, can I hide behind this facade of littleness or smallness or weakness? If I know what I am, how do I face the challenges before me? The unity movement is actually based in that experience because our co-founder, co-founder Myrtle Fillmore had this experience. She was sitting in a, a lecture hall listening to a spiritual teacher. And as she was listening, she deeply knew. She had a moment in which she deeply knew that I am a child of God. Those weren't just words. It wasn't just a catechism. It was a deep knowing in that moment. I am a child of God, and I do not inherit illness. If you pause just a moment right now and close your eyes, and imagine that in this moment, the fullness of that truth hits you, I am a child of God. If the fullness of that truth hit you, what would change in your life? What would you do differently? Well, that happened for her because her whole life, everyone around her supported this idea that she was limited by poor health, that she would live a short life, and there would be very few things that she would be able to accomplish or do, that she would be sickly no matter what she did. But she had this moment where the truth filled her up. And her life changed. What she did with that is she made a commitment to stay in the consciousness of that truth. That's what she did. She wasn't about to let it go or let it fade away. So every single day, every single evening, for about two years after that, she sat and she prayed and she sat in the silence and meditated on that truth. So that realization, the knowing of that truth, so it wouldn't fade, so it wouldn't become fuzzy. You know how that happens? Sometimes we know something, and it's so powerful, but unless we somehow cultivate it, it can become fuzzy and soft and not quite as powerful in our consciousness. But she didn't allow that to happen. She committed herself to this practice where she reflected on and reclaimed every day the power of that truth. Her husband, Charles Fillmore, was not happy with her for doing this. He even commented that this was no way for a wife to be with her husband because she would close the door and he was on his own for the evening. He wrote about this before he realized the truth of what she knew. And out of that experience, she came out healthy, vibrant, capable, and lived a very long and fulfilling and satisfying life. She was no longer the sickly one, the limited one, the weak one. 
So as you realize this truth, or maybe you have in the past, are you cultivating it? Are you taking action to continue knowing it deeply? Or does it catalog, get cataloged with a, a bunch of other things that we know and then forget about? That is a choice. That is a choice to allow it, allow it to softly fade or to hold on to it and allow it to grow and become stronger. Out of Myrtle's choices came the unity movement. And unity defines itself or has defined itself as practical Christianity, a Christianity that is to be lived, not just studied. A Christianity that is supposed to be part of every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. And unity has also defined itself as positive spirituality, focusing our mind and our thoughts on truth and that which is positive so that we bring that into being in our experience, in our circumstances, in our lives. The unity movement that began with Myrtle's realization of truth, the movement that has called itself practical Christianity, positive spirituality, is based on many different teachings, but there are five that are often repeated as central to the unity teachings. And the first is what we've been talking about, that there is one presence and one power. And that presence and power is God, and we know that God is good, and that there is no other power that stands before God. That God is greater than anything else that appears to be a power. And it's often described in terms of darkness and light. Darkness and light on the surface seem to be in opposition, possibly even two different powers. But if we take light and bring it to the darkness, the darkness disappears in the presence of light. If we bring darkness to the light, the darkness disappears in the presence of the light. So the light is real, but sometimes we lose our awareness of the light, or we, the light is blocked from our vision, from our understanding, and we experience darkness. But that darkness does not have the same substance, the same reality that the light does. In the same way, God, that one presence and one power, sometimes we forget or we fall asleep, as some poets have described it, and we no longer are conscious of that presence of God. But it's not that God goes away. We just stop seeing for a moment. And the moment we lift our consciousness and become aware again, that appearance of separation, that appearance of being apart from God, disappears. 
The second principle that unity teaches is that because we are of God and God is good, our innate nature is good. We are born good. And again, sometimes we forget who we are. We lose contact with our awareness of God's presence. We become afraid or angry, and we act in ways that appear to be not so good, but it's a matter of remembering who we are. It's not that there is something innately evil about a person. Although sometimes that's a difficult one because we look at atrocities that are done and it's hard to hold that. But I believe in each and every case, if a person would awaken to the awareness of the truth of God's presence within them, there would be an immense change, much like the story of the hymn Amazing Grace. A slave trader had a moment of realization, and everything changed. The third teaching is that our thoughts are creative. The fourth is that prayer aligns our thoughts, our minds, with the mind of God. And the fifth, the fifth is that once we realize these truths, we have to act. We have to make choices. We have to do something. It's not enough to have a passing experience of truth. We have to repeatedly reclaim that truth in our consciousness. We have to repeatedly make choices that align our minds, our thoughts with the mind of God. We have to act as if there is truth in the oneness of all people. And to do all of that, it becomes challenging. And we need guiding principles. And unity is not the only spiritual teaching that addresses this. All spiritual teachers, all spiritual teachings deal with how do we take the spiritual truth we know, the truth we realize about the divine, and how do we bring it into our worlds? How do we act on it? So unity, along with other spiritual traditions, offer skills and guidelines and ways of being. Because if we don't do this, we end up living on a very superficial level. And as a psychologist, I would hear people over and over, and now as a minister too, talk to me about not feeling a sense of purpose, feeling empty, feeling like what they're doing has no meaning. Because we are not just the surface experience. We are deep and powerful and spacious spiritual beings. We are of God, and unless we live from that, we do not find the infinite potential. We don't find that deep and powerful 
satisfaction. There's a, a website, truthunity.net. Mark Hicks is the person who created and maintains the website. He's a scholar of unity teachings. And he wrote an article called Practical Christianity at Works. It's on his website. It's worth looking up. And he based his articles on writings and teachings of a, another unity teacher from further back in history, Catherine Ponder. And from her works, he created this article, Practical Christianity at Works. And he wrote about why, why does it work? Why does taking these teachings and allowing it to guide our life and our choices, why does it work for us? And what he found was, first of all, it gives us that understanding, that knowing of what God is and who we are. It leads to what Charles Fillmore wrote about all of the time, and this realization of truth, which is deeper than just the heady, thought-based understanding of truth. It's a, a realization that comes from deep within. Mark Hicks went on to say that practical Christianity promotes healing on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. And the unity movement was based in healing. Myrtle Fillmore had a profound experience with healing on levels of mind, body, and spirit. So when we follow these principles, when we follow the teachings, this possibility of healing opens up. It teaches us that the kingdom of God is here. And now Jesus taught that. This is a teaching of his that we emphasize in unity, that the kingdom of God is within, it's within us, it's among us, it's around us, but it's right now in this present moment. It's not a faraway experience. And it is up to us to create that experience of the kingdom of God. It brings prosperity into our lives because it teaches us to open up to the abundance that is always flowing, that God is our source, and that we, as we open to it, we are prospered. We live day by day to the best of our ability. We live knowing that there is only one presence and one power, and that all of us are one, that we are one. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.